the pandemic caused a myriad of national disruptions, of course, we all know that. One of the largest and perhaps clearly one of the most impactful of those disruptions was a widespread economic slowdown that caused a shift to e-commerce and online shopping. As a result, many offices and stores, and, and work from home, of course, and as a result, many offices and stores became vacant without lease renewals. Is there a silver lining? Well, a substantial opportunity for adaptive reuse in commercial real estate may provide the answer. Today's episode focuses on ways this could evolve and we'll discuss specific industries like uses for vacant big box retail stores for healthcare or warehouse distribution uses. uses. And there are many other examples. Hello, I'm Chuck Kasky, Maryland Realtors CEO, and you're listening to Get Real Estate, the Maryland Realtors podcast. In an environment turned upside down by the pandemic, real estate owners and operators must remain vigilant, forward thinking, and creative. This makes adaptive reuse an intriguing strategy, one which can offer lower costs to acquire investments in high barrier to entry markets, significant cost savings on redevelopment projects, low interest rates on leverage, and potential future tax incentives offered by federal, state, and local governments. To help us understand what the future might look like for commercial real estate, I'm thrilled to be joined by Lawrence Yoon, Chief Economist and Senior Vice President of Research at the National Association of Realtors. Lawrence, welcome to the program. Oh, Chuck, thank you uh, for having me on the show on this very important topic. We're really excited to hear your perspective on this uh, from a national perspective. It's, it's extremely important. So let's start with the definition. It goes by a lot of names, but I think we've kind of settled on adaptive reuse. First, let's let me say when I started to research the topic, I you know put in search. I didn't even real understand adaptive reuse. I just said reuse of commercial real estate. And the first two articles that came up, the titles were, the first one was, is adaptive reuse the future of commercial real estate? And the second one was, adaptive reuse is the future of commercial real estate. <laughs> so two ways to say the same thing. But again, let's start with what exactly we mean when we say adaptive reuse. What are we talking about? Uh, well, you know, uh, even uh, considering outside of real estate, any business owners will say that one has to be adaptive to changing circumstances. If one is static, they will not succeed in a very innovative, dynamic, changing economy. So one has to be adaptive. So what does it mean in commercial real estate? Well, there were some buildings which were constructed many years ago. It could be even historic building. Or it may have been building as something that was constructed 10 years ago for uh, some purpose, whether it is for shopping mall, it could be for motel lodging, uh, maybe an office building. But changing economy has essentially made it non-economical. Uh, it is just non-functional, non-feasible. 
And hence, uh, people need to be creative about uh, is there a potential adaptive reuse, meaning that the empty shopping mall, for example, could it be transformed into other functional unit? Uh, could it be something like a mini hospital or potential condominium unit or mixed use uh, apartments? So all of this different consideration in order to make the original building more useful and adaptive in the changing environment. Two questions. The first is you, you did mention that a lot of the buildings that are being underutilized today have historical significance. So the first question is, how does adaptive reuse differ from historic preservation? Uh, well, let's start with that. Uh, well, you know, it does not have to be a historic building. Right. Uh, you know, right. I, I, when I visit Baltimore, uh, you know, Baltimore <laughs> historically, uh, you know, it was, the, I think, the second largest city during the uh, 18th century, you know, Charleston, South Carolina, Boston, then you had Baltimore. So you see great buildings uh, in the, as one walks around the Baltimore area. Uh, and one clearly wants to preserve that. So whether it is that residential unit, let's keep it as a residential unit. So historic value to it. The reuse, adaptive reuse component is it is no longer functional for, say, that original purpose, residential unit. So can it be changed into office? But in today's post-pandemic environment, it is more of the question about can office be transformed into residential units or a shopping mall? Interestingly, the online shopping was growing rapidly before the pandemic. Pandemic simply accelerated that trend. So the shopping mall were coming under financial pressure before the pandemic. And of course, everything turned uh, quickly uh, upside down for some of the shopping center owners. Now, there are you know, other shopping centers where they are still drawing a good number of people, but we are seeing more and more less feasible, financially feasible, big shopping malls. And, and rather than tearing it down, which is costly, is there a potential for reuse? Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that later in terms of what the economic benefits are to reuse as opposed to the typical redevelopment model, which is to just <laughs> demolish the old and and put up the new, and, and there are some statistics out there that the, the economic benefits, and that's why some of these projects are actually viable. So just to be clear, I mean, I think of historic preservation, I think of a slightly different purpose, whereas when we talk about preservation, we, we think more about restoring old buildings to original states, and we've seen this in Baltimore, by the way, uh, our uh, couple theaters have been a very popular way to or type of building to restore, whereas adaptive reuse, you kind of maintain the architecture of the property, but maybe update the interior for new for new needs. Is that is that fair to say? Uh, yes, uh, and I should have included Annapolis. I believe Annapolis sure. was, was one of the uh, uh, U.S. capital at one point, way, way in the past. Uh -huh. and so, you know, right. just beautiful place to visit. <laughs> yeah, and still the oldest state house in continuous use in the country. What? Let's start with, well, let's go back to that. So the benefits of, of undertaking an adaptive reuse project, touched on it a little bit. What other benefits are there? Why might some, might a developer choose that as opposed to a complete redevelopment? Uh, so just in terms of the cost consideration, uh, if one was to demolish and you know, completely start anew, uh, it requires purchasing new materials, uh, steel, lumber, 
uh, cement, all that goes into the construction. Uh, so from a clean start, one can you know, actually make it into what they think is a more viable in the today changing environment. But there's a lot of costs involved in that. Um, and uh, given uh, that the original structure was placed, certainly where it was an easy access for a good number of people around the neighborhood or around the metro area, so the location is probably in a very good location. So location, location, location uh, aspect is there. And in uh, the housing market surprised during the pandemic, that is to say that it was one of the fastest recovering vibrant sector during the months of the pandemic. Somehow people view real estate as something special. They want a larger size. So this has really ramped up the prices on the materials, uh, aluminum, steel, uh, lumber specifically. Uh, and so rather than trying to build a new, why not try to reutilize old property? So that's one benefit uh, financially. And the second one is just that it's probably in a, already in a good location in terms of the access for many uh, people to easily get to. The, uh, I saw some statistics. They're from February of, of this year, so not completely out of date, although we know that the building materials specifically, those costs are rising almost daily these days, it looks like. So I did see where, at least by one article, that adaptive reuse could reduce construction costs by up to 16% and reduces construction time by up to 18%, which again, further reduces costs. Uh, Have you familiar with any of that? I mean, intuitively, it makes some sense. And I don't know if those are the right numbers today, but it does make some sense, doesn't it? Oh, yes. Uh, And probably is much larger than 16% uh, cost savings, especially uh, from February to here in the middle of the year, (laughs) uh, where prices have continued to soar in terms of the material cost that goes into construction. And of course, there's a, an environmental sustainability piece to this as well. And, and I can tell you from working on just office renovations, the amount of potentially usable stuff that gets thrown away in the commercial sector, sometimes it's, uh, it's a lot more than people really understand when you take even just tenants, one tenant to another in a commercial building. Um, that there's a lot of there's a lot of waste involved. Uh, yeah, anytime a, a tenant leaves, uh, whether it's a retail shop or a office tenant, uh, and then you are trying to draw a new tenant on the space, uh, they want to reach the configure, and therefore yeah. there's a cost involved in that. But at least the exterior elements are still uh, one does yeah. not have yeah. to spend money on the exterior components. Yeah. So let's just break this down sort of by segment. Let's start with malls. And, and NAR did a great study last year, a case study. There were six uh, examples, if I'm not mistaken. Could you just take us through what the general findings, and people can search on for, for that study. Uh, what did you take away? What did you come away with big picture-wise in terms of those case studies? Uh, well, you know, the shopping mall was uh, under pressure before the pandemic. Sure. Uh, and now uh, during the pandemic, with no foot traffic, uh, it was feeling even greater pressure. Uh, some support from the government stimulus program to at least provide a little uh, timeout period. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, it looks like that people are becoming very comfortable 
uh, with few clicks and having the, uh, the delivery into their home. Uh, so given that, what do you do with the shopping malls? Now, some people just like the face-to-face interaction. And so some shopping malls will uh, do very well just for meeting a place where people want to interact. But given the fast growth in online shopping, it's just inevitable that some of the shopping malls uh, will need to shut down. So just consideration, uh, you know, the first, uh, the pandemic is an awful thing, but should America prepare for the next pandemic? We don't know. We hope it's far, far many years away, but say it was to come in 10 or 20 years, uh, would America would be better prepared? Uh, is it possible to use shopping mall, portion of shopping mall as something like a healthcare armory, have mm-hmm. some, some ready hospital bed ready to go? maybe the production of ventilators, production of masks, uh, and, and other pandemic issues where uh, it's essentially used as an armory. You know, it's not a day-to-day use, but it's a storage just in case a bad event was to occur. So, you know, that is one uh, possibility. Uh, now, especially uh, knowing that the uh, President Biden wants to spend on infrastructure, where we think of infrastructure as bridges, roads, but you know, why not some uh, dedication for things like healthcare armory? And if that's the case, you know, the money could possibly go into that repurposing shopping malls. Uh, the other idea is that you know, things like a uh, gym. You know, the, the gym membership has been rising before the pandemic, little pause during the pandemic, but it's now with vaccination. Uh, pretty much expanding that uh, things like sports facility will be rising. So can some portion of the uh, shopping mall be transformed into uh, fitness centers? Uh, the other uh, possibility is, uh, you know, maybe there's a greater interest in, say, uh, before school hour, like a child care uh, center, mm-hmm. or even post-school hour additional tutoring center. So then people, entrepreneurs can come up with very creative ideas but that empty shopping mall needs to put that new use. And then from that, I think, you know, people will begin to uh, see the possibilities. Yeah, I recommend the study for people to look and see. I think creativity is the key, one of the keys, but also there has to be a level of government support for this, though. It seems like to make some of these viable commercially viable, <laughs> there's going to have to be some kind of incentives. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes. And, and yeah, it's another study uh, that was uh, that the hospitality sector, that is the hotel yeah. and lodging sector, really suffer with the decrease in travel. And uh, some owners uh, decide to transform their, say, motel units mm-hmm. uh, using government uh, help, either tax credit or actual government help to provide housing for, say, low-income workforce housing. In some cities, uh, you know, a homeless uh, population is something that, you know, people don't feel comfortable, you know, witnessing, but we still have to consider how do we house homeless population? So some of the, say, dilapidated uh, motel buildings where it may be ready for demolition, well, why demolish? You know, why not use the structure uh, for some uh, housing. Very creative use. I think in one case in North Carolina, where it was in a very nice location. So they just transformed, knocked down a few walls to make it into a luxurious senior housing center. Uh, so, you know, people, again, that creativity is the key in how to utilize this use building into more active use. Do you see hospitality, and then we'll get back 
to retail, I think, but as long as we're on here, do you see that as as having a meaningful impact on the housing shortage, or are we kind of nibbling around the edges? Can we can we do it to scale enough to have an impact? I guess that's my question. And, or do we know? <laughs> uh, well, you know before the pandemic, uh, the uh, hotel room occupancy rate would have hover around seventy percent. So right. in any average day, seventy percent of the rooms would be occupied. Other 30% vacant, you know, of course, it depends on whether there's a convention or not, but that sure. would be the average. Uh, and at the low point, uh, the, the utilization rate was a complete flip, only 30% occupied, yeah. 70% vacancy. Now, many people are saying because of the technology use of the video meetings, uh, you know, Zoom technology uh, and such, uh, that business travel will never return back to normal. Now, for family travel, vacation travel, maybe will return to normal, but not the business travel. And given that, uh, that you know, many of the hotels will be in many vacant rooms, you know, not returning back to that 70% occupancy average rate, uh, and hence people need to think creatively about uh, how to reuse. How long will it take, do you think? Hey, you've thought about this, I'm sure. I've noticed an increase. I travel from Baltimore to Annapolis. It's without traffic. So for the last year or so, as long as I've been coming back to the office, it, and it's a 45 minute drive, but it has, it could take me 90 minutes on a bad day. <laughs> and I can see the, the traffic is coming back already. So what kind of time frame are we looking at till we really know how sticky these changes are? So I, you know, I monitor all the commercial yeah. real estate, uh, but uh, rather than give you my opinion on the <laughs> hospitality sector, the association uh, that covers the hotel and lodging, yeah. they anticipate that it will be 2024 before things return back to pre-pandemic wow. levels, assuming there is no normal construction of hotels. Mm. Now, in any given year, you have some building of new hotels and lodging. Uh, but they're just assuming that there's no uh, meaningful new construction and it will be up to 2024 before things return to about 70% occupancy wow. uh, average. Will they hold out for that or will they do some creative and maybe adaptive reuse before then? Uh, I think there will certainly, you know, the hotel owners, uh, yeah. the individual <laughs> cases where yeah. they just see the money, not uh, exactly. the numbers not making sense and trying to reutilize and that's why I think some of the government support, whether it's part of the mm-hmm. infrastructure spending, money dedicated to uh, repurpose, uh, or uh, tax credit, uh, so that entrepreneurs begin to uh, use the tax uh, incentive uh, to repurpose to make the numbers work. So go, going back briefly to retail, and that's specifically big box stores. And I remember when a couple of them, I guess the Best Buy closed and there were some appliance uh, retailers that took over those leases for, you know, pennies on the dollar for relatively short-term leases. And then when those leases expired, they just vacated. So we do have a lot of empty big box stores. uh, And I think retail is probably going to stay with either order online, pick up in store, or ship from store. So, I mean, I really do think it's going to be, you know, maybe forever. And I know personally that convenience, you know, people, you can, you can hate Amazon all you want. <laughs> I'm not giving it up. You know, I don't like it. I don't like the guy, but I, I'm addicted. I, I, that 
the availability, the convenience, for the most part, the pricing, um, I, it's just here to stay. So what about those big boxes that we, you know, we, we, what kind of adaptive reuse can we make of some of those? I've seen health centers, for example, um, that the perfect use, you know, for imaging centers and things like that, or what kind of reuse do you think some of the big boxes are going to see? Well, you know, big box, uh, just given their size, uh, one could easily envision uh, that uh, maybe half of the space is used for warehousing uh, because, That's you know, the there's such a strong exactly. demand for warehousing. Uh, and then uh, the big box essentially becomes small retail center as a fulfillment uh, delivery point. Uh, I remember that I had to get uh, one uh, laptop and somehow the option was I go to the fulfillment center to pick it up in the afternoon or I had to wait two weeks for the delivery. And I just did not have the patience for two weeks. So <laughs> even though I had to drive uh, some distance to pick it up, I wanted to pick it up. Uh, so I think uh, many of the big boxes uh, could utilize as a warehouse spaces, meaning that uh, maybe the customers do not necessarily need to go to that location, but that location is convenient enough to other uh, stores nearby uh, that they can make that quick delivery to the key locations. Switching to office space, I find it intriguing also because we're building owners and we're landlords and I've started to pay really more a lot more attention lately to two things. What vacancy rates are going to look like moving forward? All this talk about work from home and consolidation, and we've seen some here, some of our tenants have, have uh, expressed a desire to consolidate their spaces and give up some and, and we're mid-lease and so we're mid-term and so we're, we're, we're negotiating those. And I think what intrigues me the most about specifically about office is that a lot of times the, the infrastructure is already there. I mean, for me, it's a no-brainer to, 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 to convert some of these big office parks into mixed-use centers by and large, they're in very nice settings, some very beautiful I mean, park-like settings for some of the newer office spaces, gorgeous facilities. Uh, there's already some of them that have, you know, some small retail or daycare or health uh, clubs and stuff. So it's it's there. I mean, uh, so what, it, there's local zoning issues, I understand, but what, what could envision, what can you see if you were going to just, if you were king, King Lawrence, what what would you do? And I just feel like, it, especially for office spaces, there's a tremendous opportunity for mixed use in some of these office buildings that really can have an impact on housing availability. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I think I, the office sector is facing the greatest uncertainty. Yeah. Uh, the vacancy rate currently is around 16%, uh, much elevated compared to uh, the normal condition. And I'm not sure it's going to go down uh, because uh, what we are seeing uh, regarding new leasing. Now, first, there's not that many new leasing, but among the new leases that are taking place, it is a much shorter duration, okay. two years, three years, rather than five or seven years, um, meaning that even the tenants are unsure about future need for office spaces. So that is already raising some question. Uh, and, I, and many... Uh, uh, CEOs of all the organizations truly really do not know uh, whether they will call all their workers back to office five days a week or whether it will be flexibility. Um, 
And then again, uh, even the CEOs do not know exactly how everything will play out. Um, interestingly, the tenants, for the most part, the, uh, they have been paying rent, office rent on time. They are just not been utilizing it. Uh, yeah. Because as they're, they're rethinking what to do. But uh, given the likely high vacancy of office spaces, certainly over the next immediate uh, future years, but I think even over the long term, it has to be some repurposing, reuse. And as Chuck, you mentioned, you know, bring in the retail shop, maybe a daycare center, uh, and, and even consider uh, you know, for some uh, uh, schools. I, I'm not sure the, the office no. tenants would necessarily like many children you know, running around, <laughs> but you know, sometimes there's a need for school expansion and so rather than build a new school, in, so, so that's another kind of consideration. But I think it's uh, entrepreneurial where they have to just think uh, very creatively on, on what's the best, but the office vacancy as it's currently stand in the projection, uh, it will be at high vacancy unless it is adapted for new use. Do we have the political will to do that? <laughs> I guess is that the big, that's the big question, because a lot of that would have to, there'd be local zoning changes required and a lot of investment, and it's a big ask, and I'm just not sure that we're ready for it. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, no, there's something that you had alluded to before, uh, you know, about the uh, green energy aspects, because yeah. one of uh, mm-hmm. the big uh, green energy adaptation is on the commercial building rather than on residential. Yeah. So uh, given uh, the more emphasis, I think, uh, the overall globally on uh, focusing on climate change and uh, green energy use, uh, that maybe uh, the office as is being repurposed, uh, uh, put into the, the structure about whether you know, heating, air conditioning uh, component. So it meets that requirement, which means that uh, at least because of the government support through some tax credit, uh, that uh, you will be uh, better reuse uh, from entrepreneurs' perspective uh, to occupy. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I hadn't even thought of the energy perspective, but you're right. A lot of the lead certified buildings are office buildings, and so we could you know, leverage that as well. So that's an interesting point. Well, Lawrence, we've only been able to scratch the surface, but we've quickly run out of time. I do appreciate uh, you joining us. Thank you, Chuck, for uh, inviting me. And again, I think this is a very important topic and for some practitioners, real estate practitioners, to really consider studying depth and to see you know, what could be successful. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Thank you. To our listeners, thank you for the privilege of your time. This is Get Real Estate, the Maryland Realtors podcast. I'm Chuck Kasky, Maryland Realtors CEO. Thanks, as always, to our esteemed producer, Joshua Woodson. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Like us, share us, give us five stars if we've earned them, and give us feedback, most importantly, including guests you'd like us to invite or topics to explore. We talked a lot about creativity, so until next time, be well, stay sane, and color outside the lines.